something's going on at Camp Conewago. The kids are running out of there, pulling up stakes, pulling camp, and leaving because they're hearing these unusual screaming sounds in the woods. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas thank you so much for joining us as always we appreciate all of you out there and thank you so much for your wonderful support and remember if you've got an experience and you'd like to be a guest on the show please reach out to me you can reach me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com this is bob Demling. You're listening to the Paranormal Porter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, a phenomenal uh, show <laughs> lined up for you tonight. And it kind of came together just like pow. You know, some things just seem to be ordained by the universe to happen. And this <laughs> this show, I think, is one of them. We are welcoming Mr. Lon Strickler to the show. He is, of course, of phantomsandmonsters.com. He's uh, a pillar in the paranormal and Fordian communities published author, uh, avid researcher, and he, he made the time today to get on the show with us. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's bring him on. Welcome to the show, Lon. Hey, thanks for having me, Brent. I I'm absolutely thrilled to have this opportunity. I've of course been following your work for years. Um, you're just one of those names that, are, that is just a, a real big part of establishing and documenting a lot of the strangeness that keeps uh intruding into our world or we keep intruding into it <laughs> i'm not sure but if you don't mind I, I know you've probably done this a million times but could you give everyone kind of a little bit of background how did this start for you how did you get into all of this and and uh how did it build through the years well it, it really actually started one day when i was at gettysburg as a kid i uh, I, I lived uh, near the battlefield i grew up near there and uh I spent a lot of, you know, a lot of afternoons during the summer out there as well. So I'd take, get on my bike and ride out to the battlefield, spend an afternoon just, you know, watching people out there and watching whatever showed up. So one particular day, and I, I believe I was around nine at the time, you know, back then people didn't carry, you know, sure. a kid, kid would go out on the road and it didn't matter, yeah. you know, just be home by not dark. like that nowadays, but anyway. <laughs> Just be home I by dark. A lot, like, a lot of days by myself doing this and that. <laughs> sure. So uh, I was actually in the area of the battlefield, which is the people refer to as the um, Valley of Death, and that's the um, the area in between Little Round Top, uh, Devil's Den, and the Wheatfield. Uh, a lot of heavy action on the second day of the battle. Wow. So. You know, I had always been drawn to the area for whatever reason. But this particular day, I was on my bike. And I was riding on the on the uh, access road there to go towards uh, Devil's Den. And um, all of a sudden, it's like a, a, a huge television screen opened up in front of me. Oh, wow. And uh, all of a sudden, I just started seeing manifestations of... Uh, soldiers and hearing gunfire cannon fire smelling gunpowder all my senses were were alerted and um that was really the day i knew 
that something was different about me. You know, I had an inkling, even that young, that something was different. Sure. I didn't grow up in a haunted house or anything like that. There was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I don't think my parents ever knew anything about this. I never told them. I never saying to them about it. They just thought I did a lot of weird stuff, I guess. So, um, <laughs> okay. So that, that is when I actually started. So, you know, yeah. from that time up until I went through high school, I actually was doing paranormal investigations on my own. And, and actually I had a few people who would ask me to come into their residence or businesses or, or property to see what was going on. Wow. And it was kind of a word of mouth thing. Now this was back in the early seventies. So you got to figure back then it wasn't like it is now where, you know, paranormal is all over the place and it's all mainstream. Sure. Back then you said, told somebody you investigated the paranormal and they just <laughs> got to give you that funny look. But when somebody was in need, they, you know, they, they call you over. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And uh, I did that until the time. And I had, well, I had, I had a few experiences as well, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> during that period. So anyway, I, I graduated from high school, moved to Maryland, got married, got a job doing the old eight hour day thing every day and, um, sure. had a child. So I, but I was still interested in the paranormal mm-hmm. and, uh, I would still do cases in Pennsylvania and Maryland when I had the chance. So, uh, that was just that was that that was the spirit activity and stuff I was doing, and I still do it today. I, but in nineteen in May of nineteen eighty one, I had an encounter. It's in Sykesville, Maryland, just just east of Sykesville, along the South Branch of Patapsco River. Mm-hmm. I was out there fly fishing, and I uh, had an encounter with Bigfoot. And basically, this thing was across the river from me. Now the river wasn't wide there at all. And people that know the area, it's um. Mm. It's very narrow, actually, and uh, it's an area I knew well. And there was a dog over there, and the dog yelped at one point, and I looked over, and this thing stood up. And it was the weeds were fairly high, and I got about a chest high look at it. But as it did, it turned and started moving to my left, and walked out of the weeds. I'm just standing there looking at this thing, and I'm probably about. 40, 50 foot away. I'm pretty close. And I'm looking at it and this thing, and I've always described as looking like a Neanderthal or like an early man Mm -hmm. had a lot of hair, but it also looked human as well. And it had the thick uh, brow ridge, somewhat of a conical head, uh, very human like eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was huge. I mean, it was it was muscular, very muscular. Definitely a male. It's all the genitalia in this thing. Wow. Uh, it was uh, about eight foot in height, I would estimate. And it just stood there and it watched me. It stood there looking at me. We locked eyes for at least ten seconds. Wow! And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm looking right. at this thing. I'm hearing it making a ticking sound, uh, which I later learned was most likely it gnashing its teeth like some type of nervous tick or something uh-huh. when it confronts something that you you know didn't know what it was or was unsure about okay uh i did get a slight whiff of an odor that kind of reminded me of fox urine mm. something like that but you know after about 10 seconds or so this thing just turned on a dime and started walking swiftly up into the woods behind it and i didn't know what to do 
Right. You know, I'm my my jaws laying in the water by that time. I didn't know <laughs> what to do at that time. And uh, I just grabbed my stuff and went up to my car and and got in. I had the, my chest waders and everything on yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drove to the town and Sykesville was no more than three minutes away from there. Wow. So I drove there and uh, outside the bar by the river and I got on the payphone and uh, I called the local police department and, you know, I, I told them, I think, I, I think I told them I had saw a Bigfoot oh, and they, you know, you can imagine the reaction, <laughs> but the woman said, look, go back to where you were. We'll have somebody there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I drove back knowing, you know, these guys are going to take an hour to get there. I'm going to be standing out there in the middle of nowhere with, you know, this thing walking about who am I to know it's going to come back. But as I pulled up, there was a barrier, one of those old wooden barriers across the road already. And there was a Maryland state police officer there. Oh my God. And as I pulled up there, he told me in this road, you know, not a whole lot of traffic goes on this road. Uh huh. So, cause I didn't see any coming or going. And he told me, he said, you got to turn around and leave. I said, well, I made the report. They told me to come here and wait for y'all. He said, no, you got to leave. Wow. Okay. So I turned around and went home. And I lived in Sykesville at the time. Uh-huh. So um, got home, waited about an hour or so, said, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go on back down there and see what's going on. So I did. I got in the car and drove on back down. And by that time, there were cars everywhere. And in fact, the road itself had cars lined up and down about a quarter mile from where the barrier was. So I had to walk park there and walk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> when I got to the barrier now this time, there was a Howard County police officer standing there. Mm-hmm. And I just walked up to him and said, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> he, <laughs> said, he said, well, somebody said they saw a Bigfoot. He started laughing and I, I didn't tell him I'm the guy who made the report. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I was watching and there were people with dogs going in and out of the, um, the brush and up in the woods and stuff. They had a huge white tent set up over there where this thing had stood when it's, I looked at it. Oh my God. Uh, I heard helicopters, didn't see a helicopter, but back then the feds used to drive those black wagoneers. Sure. And there was two of those sitting there. Plus there was every jurisdiction around there had, uh, had a police, had police officers there. So it was, it was a lot of people. Yeah. So I stood there for about 10 minutes. And I'm thinking I'm going to get out of here. So I left, I walked I back to the car and drove home. So when I got home, I called the local television stations, which there were three in Baltimore, well, actually four, but I called three of them, mm-hmm. uh, the network stations. And, um, you know, I told them what had happened. Oh, they sounded very interested. I was talking to the news desk about it. Mm-hmm. And they told him, well, give us a call back in two days or we'll call you in two days and we'll follow up on this. Well, four days later, <laughs> no call, no nothing. I called one of the stations, which was WMAR, which was channel two in, in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And the guy hung up on me. Oh, wow. So we don't even talk and hung up. So I knew then that there was an issue. So what happened from what I found out later on, now, of course, that area is well known for the, what people call the Sykesville monster. This is something that showed up in the area back in 1973, mm-hmm. late 72, 73, and had actually broke into several homes and in, in garages and chicken pens and stuff along the river. 
Oh, wow. And uh, it was well known. I mean, in, locally, I mean, I had lived up in Pennsylvania. So when I moved down there, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I, I found out about it. A guy I worked with happened to be relatives with a lot of the people that were living. And this area was an Africa, African-American area. Okay. Families and such. So it was right along the river. All these families, the, you know, very close knit area. And, uh, I got the introduction and I was able to go in there and start investigating what had happened eight years or nine years previous to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually met with many of the, the original witnesses plus four other ones who had never made a report. <clears throat> so I had a pretty good idea of what had happened back then. And I was getting witness statements and descriptions and everything. And what I was getting was very close to what I had seen. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, later on, I had had a, um, a sexual police officer contact me and tell me and verify everything that happened that day. Uh, he said he was there. He did. They didn't know what it was about. Nobody told them anything. Oh, okay. And, uh, but he said everything that you, cause I had written it in my blog after I started the blog back in, um, 2005 i wrote about in 2008 okay uh, after i had made i made a report with the bfro mm-hmm. that was a late report and let them know about it and this police officer he verified everything he said it was crazy that thing but what happened was i had talked to someone from the bfro there had been a sighting of a bigfoot like three hours prior to that down river so no doubt it was the same thing sure uh but Still, I mean, all these police officers and feds and stuff aren't going out there for a Bigfoot sighting. Right. So what I gathered and from what I believe happened is for people that are familiar with the Baltimore, Washington area, there are a lot of facilities there that people just don't know. They look like buildings look like open fields or something, but it's something other than what they think it may be. And were there, were they doing some type of experiments or something or had some facility or something? Were they keeping some of these things? I don't know, oh. but it seemed all strange. Right. The response itself would make, would tend to make you think that, yeah, something weird was going on here. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that was my Bigfoot experience. And, um, you know, that kind of got me going because now I was interested in that. And then getting other other types of cryptid sightings, and of course, in 1988, I had an encounter not far from where I live now because I'm I moved back up near Gettysburg. Okay. And uh, in this area is Conewaga Township, and just north of here uh, is a an old Boy Scout camp. And uh, I had run across a friend of mine back in 1988 who was a Boy Scout leader. I went, I was in Scouts with him. Him and I used to spend time on the battlefield at night too when we were kids, so he knew what I was about. <laughs> and, um, we just happened to run each other, uh, up in, uh, we were down in Timonium, Maryland at a, some type of scout function outside of the city, mm-hmm. outside of Baltimore. And, uh, we sat there and talked. We hadn't seen each other for about 12 years and, um, just happenstance. He said, you know, something's going on at Camp Conewago. The kids are running out of there, pulling up stakes, pulling camp and leaving because they're hearing these unusual screaming sounds in the woods oh, at wow. night, especially. Okay. And they had no idea what was going on. So we're going up there and investigate. I said, you want to go? Sure, I'll go. So I met him up there the next Friday night. 
take just a moment to introduce you guys to Chime. Most of us have had to live check to check where we're forced to really stretch to connect the financial dots in our lives. Most of us also have run short and been nailed with $33 overdraft charges. It's literally like getting kicked when you're down. Truth be known, in 2019, traditional banks took $11 billion in overdraft fees. But Chime does things differently. With Chime, members have saved over $10 billion in overdraft fees with SpotMe fee-free overdraft. In other words, Chime's got your back. Now you deserve to have financial peace of mind. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign-up takes two minutes and doesn't even affect your credit score. So get started today at Chime.com paranormal. That's Chime.com paranormal. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $200 by Chime. Chime member overdraft fee savings based on eligible members' use of SpotMe versus $33 average overdraft fee. Overdraft fee data based on bank rate checking account survey and CRL June 2020. We've had four of our team members who have had actual contact. Two had physical, and the other two have had psychic connections with these beings. Uh, we hiked into the woods. Now, this is back in 88. I could lay out in, in a tent and not have to worry about waking up and not being able to walk anymore. Uh, you know, back then I was okay. I could do that kind of stuff. Sure. But, uh, you know, we set up camp, nothing going on the first night. Uh, that night we had three separate tents and we did hear something walking about in, in the camp campsite, but we just thought it was one of us getting up to relieve ourselves or something. So we didn't say, but in the morning, the guy, the other guy was because there's three of us. The other guy that was with my friend said that he heard something walking about and we all acknowledge we did too, but none of us were up at all. Mm-hmm. So it could have been a deer. I mean, it could have been something other than, you know, sure. But anyway, that day we spent that Saturday, we spent most of the day going through the woods and stuff. We were out. Of, I'd say we were out maybe eight hours. We were out there a long time mm-hmm. and, uh, did a lot of hiking and, um, didn't sense anything. And, uh, Again, I'm an intuitive, you know, mm-hmm. I pick up a lot of spirit energy, a lot of, a lot of, um, sense a lot of, a lot of that type of energy. Sure. And, uh, I didn't sense anything at all. I thought, yeah, this is going to be a bummer. I mean, nothing this weekend. So, uh, that Saturday night we, you know, we got back, cooked dinner, sitting around talking football and a lot of other things. And, uh, uh, no beer, no, no alcohol, nothing like that. <laughs> Okay. And, uh, I guess about 11 o'clock that evening, we heard a screaming sound. Mm-hmm. Now it sounded like it was coming in and out like this thing was flying. Oh, and, uh, it, but we couldn't tell what it was. It wasn't really distinct. I thought maybe that's eh, an owl or a wow. I mean, a bobcat or something out in the woods just making noise. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really think much of it. So we sat there and we didn't even think anything of it, but then we figured, well, you know what? That's probably what these, these kids heard. You know, they probably heard a bobcat screaming out there about a half an hour or so later, we heard it again. Now this time it sounded like 
either a woman or a child screaming. And I mean, it was blood curling. Oh, God. And uh, it was moving in and out again like this thing was flying. And that, you know, and then we didn't know what the hell we were dealing with. So we sat there. We didn't get up and walk around. You know, we're sitting here watching as we're talking. So I guess we sat another hour or so. And, you know, it, it was a weird night. Uh, the, the moon was, wasn't full, but it was pretty bright. We could see almost anything. Okay. Uh, you know, the shadow or something. So I got up, stretched my legs, and I was just walking around, and I got this weird feeling like something's watching us. I didn't know what what it was, I nothing I've ever felt before. Mm-hmm. So I walked back to the campfire, and I told those guys, look, why don't we get our flashlights and go out on the trail a little bit? So the trail, you know, we'd walk right out in the trail, and there the, the, river, the, the creek was right there. So we walk along the creek. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get very far down the trail at all before we saw something standing in the creek. Oh. And this dark figure was standing there in the middle of the creek. And, of course, that time of year was in October, it was, um, you know, the creek is very low. Okay. <clears throat> but there was enough enough moonlight that we can make out a form. But as we looked, this thing had red eyes. Uh-oh. And that's the first thing we noticed. And we put the started putting the flashlights up. And by that time, this thing just jettisoned into the air. Oh. And it was a literal, literally a whooshing sound. And it reached its apex, then it screamed. And then it took off. Oh, no. Uh, so we're running back to the <laughs> campground. Uh, mm-hmm. My buddy's not talking. He is not talking at all. He's scared <laughs> to death. The other guy... Imagine, do you see something on his back? And I did. I, I had seen some structures on the back, and I just assumed it was wings since this thing took off, but I never saw any wings unfurl. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So, eventually, we were talking about it. My buddy was just sitting. Uh, he was he was shook. And in a, second, a couple minutes later, he said, I'm not staying here. I'm going up to the administration building and sleep up there tonight. So he and his buddy, he and the other guy walked up there and they, they slept up there the rest of the night. I was there. I wanted to see what was going on, but nothing else happened. Now, later on, I had, uh, when I started writing the blog, which was almost 20 years later, oh, okay. uh, I, I put, I put the account in now only a few people had known about it. And, uh, there was a guy who lived up in, uh, by Dick's Dam, which was very near the, maybe about a quarter mile down the river, up river. I mean. Mm-hmm. Up, upstream from the creek, upstream on the creek, Conewago Creek. And uh, he told me, he sent me a, a note and said, look, I've been hearing screaming sounds like you described for 20 years, and I had no idea what this thing is. Wow. He said, I've heard other people talk about it, but I don't know what it was. Oh. So a couple of days later, I got another email from a scoutmaster. And he told me, he said, you know, about a month or so ago, our troop was up at Conewago, and we were camping. And uh, the guys went out on the trail just to hike, uh, same trail. Uh, and uh, they came running back about an hour later and they said they saw a dragon. That's how they described it to him. Oh, wow. You know, this guy, man, says, ah, these guys are pulling my leg. He said, this is crap, you know. <laughs> so he, he, he said they were serious, but he said they must have saw, misidentified something. So sure. he didn't think much of it until he saw the article what I had written. Then he put two and two together and he said, well, you know, this was near the area where this thing was seen before. 
So I don't know what they saw, but, you know, this very well could be the same thing. So it's, now that's been a while back. Uh, that was 2008 when I got that email. Mm-hmm. But since 2008, in the, in the last sighting was probably three years ago, but I've had five or six sightings along that creek, anywhere from there, Conewago, then it, it travels east towards the uh, Susquehanna River where it actually dumps into. And But there have been sightings along that creek for years. And people up there call it old red eye now. So that's kind of the moniker they call it. But now I I don't know what people are seeing, but I'll tell you what I saw is very similar to what people are seeing in Chicago now. Right. Which, which is strange. I mean, why am I getting all these reports in the site? My team's getting the reports and sightings. And I had an encounter with this thing back in 1988. You know, it just makes you wonder. Right. Now, would you say that that's, that's probably a Mothman, what we've come to understand as a Mothman? Well, you know, people call him Mothman. I, I, you know, I originally called it the Chicago Phantom. Okay. Uh, because it wasn't described like a Mothman. Overall, the early descriptions were similar to an insectoid, but as time went on, we had the sightings of something that looked like an owl, mm-hmm. a large owl with owl wings and feathers and such. Two or three of those sightings. And then. The majority of settings after that were that of a emaciated, tall, uh, humanoid-like being mm-hmm. with a shiny body, uh, legs and arms, some detached, some attached. You, you know, yeah. they were different. And they had the wings anywhere from uh, 10 to 15 foot in width that were shaped like that of a gargoyle or a bat. Mm-hmm. And many of these settings, the heads were very thin small, but it had the large red eyes Wow! and those sightings are still coming in. And of course we've been, you know, we've been kind of focused recently in recent years at O'Hare because that's where most of the sightings are coming from. And in fact, we got a report today that we need to follow up on. Uh, same thing. Uh, and this was a security guard and, uh, but I haven't written it yet. My investigator Manuel hasn't talked to the witness yet. Mm-hmm. But apparently there's a UFO involved with this too. So there we go. We got another, now we got another phenomenon that's, that's possibly mixed in with this. Right. Uh, we did have one sighting of a UFO in that area of the, the Western area of the, uh, of a hair where it's, uh, it's a lot of cargo companies there, but there's actually a cemetery there. A lot of people don't know that there's the rest Haven cemetery rest in, in O'Hara. Oh, Okay. And there are cargo companies that are all around this thing. And uh, it seems like a lot of the activity, especially lately, uh, last year or so, has been concentrated around that cemetery. And uh, why that is, we don't know, but we've got some, you know, we've got some suspicions. We've had some, we've been, we've actually got, had contact with one of these beings. Oh. Now I know that sounds fantastical, and but we've um, we have actually gotten in contact with some of these what they ultra terrestrials. They don't like to be called extraterrestrials. They don't like to be called uh, aliens or anything like that. They mm-hmm. consider them. They call themselves UTs, but their real name they go by is the unseen ones. Oh, and they describe themselves as. Um, multidimensional beings, but they are around and they're ac- they have access to our earth plane. 
and they've been here for a while. Okay. Uh, so, so they're that's really something not... still working on. You know, this yeah. is uh, you know, I'm not saying this is exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. but you know, we've had four of our team members who have had actual contact. Two with two had physical, and the other two, myself and and Jennifer, my associate, have had uh, psychic connections with these with these uh, these beings. Okay. So uh, the information we're getting is that's what these are. And, uh, you know, I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but yeah, well, I you know, mean, you never it, know. Well, the, I guess the one thing that, that I've, I've learned through the years of doing the paranormal is that nothing's off the page. Nothing uh-uh. is, you know, uh-uh. it, it's all valid, especially, you know, I was just talking with Jack Carey the other day when I interviewed him and, and I was like, you know, you, you've got to, you really got to keep an open mind because, you can't go into it with a paradigm and expect to truly investigate something. You've got to allow any eventuality and possibility to be, to be, uh, plausible or at least possible. And, uh, you know, I really, I really do advocate for that, even though, like you say, for our Western sensibilities, those things are, are, are bizarre to hear, but, mm-hmm. but it just in talking with witnesses and talking with people that have come face to face with so many different things, I mean, I, I believe that what they're telling me is what they believe they experienced. And who am I to sit outside of that and say, well, that's not possible because it doesn't fit in my box. You know, it's, I, I, I applaud you for that actually, because I think it's, it's a very brave stance to take. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to tell like it is, I mean, what I get, I'm going to tell. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, very rarely do we go into any case, regardless of what type of aspect of the paranormal it is, mm-hmm. where there's not other phenomena associated with it. Sure. Uh, especially over the past decades or so. There, there's been, <clears throat> even even with Bigfoot and connections with UFOs and other uh, orbs and such and alien and, you know, association with um, uh, some type of... Um, manifestations that may actually be spiritual or just fall off another dimension. There's a lot of stuff that's tied in. And quite frankly, you know, when people, you know, I get asked all the time, well, how do I, what do I do to start? I want to start being an investigator. I want to learn how to do this and that. And the, and the first thing I tell them is keep an open mind. Yeah. You yeah. know, just don't put it in one category and, and think you're going to get an answer because you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing cut and dry about the paranormal. Um, you know, people will say, yeah, we look at, we want to look at the scientific aspect of it. And that's what we want to do. Well, you may very well want to do that, but that's been going on for 40, 50 years now. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily what's going to happen. You know, you're going to find a body. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> but that, that hasn't happened. Right. And no. there's a reason for that. there may very well be thought form manifestation in that field. In fact, just look at the two girls in Wisconsin who, you know, tried to kill their um, friend to satisfy this slender man. I, I just, I just tell people, look, keep an open mind, go with what you get. And, uh, you know, you got to have a thick skin. You got to let stuff roll off the back because, uh, you know, you're going to hear it. You know, I've been hearing all kinds of 
criticism for years now. And, you know, it seems like every time I put a book out or put a video out, it's, you know, it, it, I'm being bombarded with this, but I don't care. You know, I'm at the point now I'm getting too old to even worry about it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I, and I think, I think that's, you know, anybody that's going to try to quantify this within our, within our frame of reference is going to come up short because mm -hmm. whatever's going on is beyond our frame of reference. It's beyond what we understand because physics are breaking down in light of these phenomena and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the laws of the universe are bending and, and things are going sideways and whatever it is, it's not within our realm of experience. So, um, I, I think you're right. You gotta, you gotta come at it with an open book and say, I think anybody truly investigating has, and Jack talked about this too. And I, and I talked to Donald Raymond Schmidt as well, who's, uh, investigated Roswell. And he said, you know, I had to go and in, go into this knowing that no matter where the evidence took me, I would follow it. And, and I think that that's very admirable and that can, that is the only approach. I think if you're looking for results. So I, I think that what you guys are doing is fantastic. Yeah. You got, you know, you just got to go with the flow. I mean, you know, you know, I have several people working with me in our group and, um, I mean, they know where I come from on this, mm -hmm. you know, I, a lot of them are flesh and blood people. And, you know, as far as Bigfoot and other things, even upright canines and dog, man, oh, it's flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what you feel. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. Sure. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think something's going on besides that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if you, if you want to take that approach, go for it, you know. Uh, you know, I'll send you a case and you look at it, you give me your opinion. And, uh, and that's what we do uh, for the most part. I know these people have their own cases and they do their own work, mm -hmm. but if I do get a case that I, you know, I can't follow up on, I will usually get one of them or one of our affiliates to go after it. So, um, yeah, we like to check. We like to put the boots on the ground for as much as we absolutely can. Yeah. And I think that's, that's phenomenal. Now, in some of these, and in your in your years and years of experience with all things Fortean, um, I've been wondering lately, and, and let me know what you think about this, but so often we hear of these one-off events, and, and you know, there's just something that surfaces, it'll, it'll make itself known over a, a brief period of time, and then boom, it just seems to be gone. And, and you'll, mm -hmm. you'll maybe get the, the, the here and there sightings, but, you know, it's hard to know if there's any merit to them. But what is the what is the potential, at least of some of this, to be some form of tulpa? Oh, I, I believe tulpas thought forms are a part of the paranormal. Yeah, and I, I and actually in, in all aspects of the paranormal hauntings, mm -hmm. well, you know, poltergeists are nothing but thought forms. Sure, they are they're a, a human manifested entity that is that is coming from the subconscious of one of the, the individuals in the, you know, in the family or the household or wherever, mm -hmm. uh, they have no idea what it is. Um, you know, they'll call an investigator in and investigators, uh, open enough to figure out that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then they've got to work with that person individually, but that person's got to do this themselves. And it's, it's not easy to do. Right. Poltergeist aren't like it is on TV, uh, you know, where <laughs> yeah. the, uh, you know, the house turns into a blink and after you found an Indian gun, <laughs> an Indian graveyard underneath the house. It's not like that. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, you know, this is something we've looked into with, um, 
uh, all, extraterrestrial, ultraterrestrial infestations and possible sightings and, and encounters mm-hmm. uh, with tulpas and actual uh, you know, thought form manifestations. Mm-hmm. You know, they happen. They really do. Sure. Um, even Bigfoot and other cryptid sightings could actually be a thought form. You know, somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's out there thinking they're looking for a Bigfoot and then they're so, you know, their subconscious creates one or one that they think they're seeing and uh, you know, who's to say that isn't what it is. Right. So no, I, I, I absolutely believe in thought form manifestations. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm, and I appreciate that because it, it just seems like there's so many things that just come out of nowhere. They exist for a period of time and mm-hmm. then, and then they're gone. And, mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes it's like Bigfoot. Sure. We've got, we've got anecdotal evidence all over the world of a creature resembling this appearing everywhere in Dogman and, and several other of these cryptids. But every once in a while, there's just a weird one that pops up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these, these three foot frog people and, you know, just strange ones that come out of nowhere and they don't, and, and perhaps it's extraterrestrial in origin and, or something as well. But, but I, I just often thought, well, how, how come they were here? And then just, they're not here. And, and where did they go and what could it be? So I just, I, I just stumbled onto the, and I can't say yeah. that it's only my thought. I, I'm, I know I've heard this as well, but it, it has merit to me, yeah. at least in some of these cases. Well, you know, I'm, inv- I'm actually writing a book about the crawler humanoids and some of the other things related oh. to that, these pale humanoids, right. either crawlers or walkers or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And actually this is something that's, that has been happening off and on for years, but it, it seems more prevalent now. Now, why is that? Is that a thought form? Who knows? Right. Uh, I guess it could be. But, you know, is it related to, like, the Fresno night crawlers oh, that sure. people were talking about or some of this other stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, and then people try to equate to these memes like the Slender Man, the Rake. Yeah. And that, you know, that kind of Internet internet created type of um, entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it has become so prevalent that there may very well be thought form manifestation in the, that field. In fact, just look at these, the two girls in, in Wisconsin who, you know, tried to kill their, um, Classmates. their friend yeah. to satisfy this, this so-called slender man, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the girls are nuts. I don't know, but there's something behind that, you know, right. uh, something motivated them enough to do that. Then of course, you know, with other well-known phenomena like Wendigos and things like that, people try to associate these things with that, and, and that's just not right. I mean, uh, sure. uh, the Wendigo is basically a spirit, and uh, it's from uh, indigenous uh, lore, and um, it's basically, a, it can also be a person who's in, possessed that turns into a cannibal or has cannibal-like tendencies, And uh, but it's not what people are seeing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is an entirely different genre. Um, why they are so prevalent in recent years, I we don't know. Mm. Uh, so this book is going to be a tough one. I mean, I've been doing a lot of research on this for quite a while now, and um, there's there's just no real rhyme and reason for why they're showing up. But then again, that's the paranormal. I mean, wh- wh- who's to say it should be there, it shouldn't be there? Right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm working on now. That'll be the next book. So, um, that's amazing. I know the, <laughs> it's I, crazy. Now th- there was a famous UFO sighting at, at O'Hare before the, yeah. the hovering craft above, what is it? The United wing over there where it kind of 
cut a mm-hmm. hole in the in the clouds as it took mm-hmm. off. And and is that somehow interrelated with all of this? I doubt it. Okay. Yeah, I doubt it. <clears throat> you know, we've had other UFO. Re- we had another UFO report. Excuse me, another UFO report uh, last year, early maybe the year before, late in the year before, of a UFO around that cemetery mm-hmm. uh, craft that literally there was a humanoid-like being that ascended from the um, from the cemetery up into this thing. So I don't know if that's related to what we're seeing now. Mm. But now, of course, we got this new sighting, and there's a UFO possibly related to that as well, but it was seen at the same time. Wow. But, you know, O'Hare, even Chicago in general, has always been well-known for UFO activity. Oh, has it? And, okay. and, and the fact that you see one above O'Hare, um, just like the one back in, what is it, 2006? Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know what year it was, but when that large cir- circular craft was seen hovering above the tarmac mm-hmm. and just you know, vertically went up, ascended through a cloud and punched a hole through the cloud. And, you know, that was it. There was a lot of talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's any real, any real proof as that to what, you know, what actually happened. Sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of conjecture. And, of course, there was, there was also a plane that was carrying a professional basketball team, I think that landed there in recent years that had the nose cone of this thing smashed in oh. because it hit something as it was ascending. So oh who God. knows what that was? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's not a good thing. You know, yeah. I, I you often hear about these, these near misses with UFOs and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I was always of the mind that, you know, if, if they're so far advanced, they are probably not going to have a real hard time avoiding us. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think they might do some, some really, uh, um, challenging maneuvers, but, mm-hmm. but it's almost like the teenagers get the keys to the car or something and they're just screwing around. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to hear something actually collided, that's, that's pretty wild. You know, the biggest problem they've got out of hair now, besides what, you know, trying to keep us from investigating all the flying <laughs> humanoids out there, because they are, they're making a concerted effort to keep it Ooh, quiet. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're threatening people's jobs and stuff. It's crazy. The whole thing is nuts. Oh my God. And, uh, but they are, and the powers that be at, at O'Hara and plus many of the carriers are, are telling their people just to shut up. They saw an owl or a sandhill crane or something. Oh. Uh, but we still have people coming forward. I mean, mm. everything is confidential. People sure. are brave. I mean, yeah. they want to know what's going on. And um, <clears throat> But as far as um, what's going out on out of O'Hara, I mean, you know, O'Hare has always had a weird history anyway. There's been a lot of paranormal activity that has been associated with the terminal itself. Uh, You know, and and, most airports have a lot of underground passages and such. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's anything related with that or not, but um, it does have a a strange history. Yeah, they might, it might turn out there's a a DUMB under there, you know, a deep underground military base, huh? Never know. Well, it just seems funny because they're, I've been following a little bit of that, that the Waylands have been tracking uh, uh, in the O'Hare and Illinois area of of all of these, you know, quote unquote, mothmen, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term. But but it's it's wild. And and also there is there does seem to be within within the reports that are being made some diversity of what people are seeing. Sometimes they're mm-hmm. they're huge. Sometimes they have flapping wings. Sometimes the wings don't move at all and they just kind of take off. 
Sometimes they're just on the ground and kind of hop away. And it's a really strange phenomenon for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just not concentrated around Chicago. I mean, we're actually looking, you know, between um, Tobias and, and, and Emily plus Manuel and I myself. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they live in Chicago or around Chicago or up in Wisconsin. So they're getting a lot of the boots on the ground stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it's out, it's away from the airport or away from the, sh- the city as well. Um, you know, some of the reports we've had over the past five, six years, have just really been crazy. <laughs> um, you know, we've got, you know, since we started looking into this, Mm-hmm. We've gotten a lot of older reports as well, people seeing very similar, but even different stuff is also. So, uh, you know, but, you know, that area, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin, northern Indiana, have always been known for bizarre stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. especially winged beings. Wow. Uh, you get the pterosaurs, you get the thunderbirds, you get this other stuff that pops up. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, of course, you go in the, you go up into southern Wisconsin, you've got the uh, the upright canines, you know, sure. the Beast of Bray Road and some of this other stuff. A lot of UFO activity. So you do have regions where a lot of these things manifest. And, um, you know, the more we the more we look into it, you know, it's it's it continues to pop up. Sure. Do you think some of these could be coming from somehow underground? Like uh, the whole cavernous earth theory or hollow earth theory. Possibly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You know, thinking. the information we're getting now is that, you know, I'm t- I, you know, again, we're talking about the, the ultra terrestrials that we cannot connected with. Mm-hmm. They are telling us that they are in another dimension, an earth dimension, but it's underground. Oh, so, uh, okay. yeah, I mean, that's very possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're doing this is baby steps. I mean, sure. you know, we're we just really started getting into this where we actually made some contact and uh, we are getting a little information here, a little more. And um, sometimes they're not too cooperative, sure. but, you know, sometimes they are. And we do uh, we do get a little insight here and make note of it and we go on. I can't read, I can't wait to read this, uh, this work because I, I, you know, I think it's exciting anytime there's a a potential for contact with any of these other intelligences and and whether it's ghostly, whether it's, uh, alien or, or cryptid or, or something in between, I I think that's fascinating because I always imagine what, what, what could they share? What could they tell us? What could they teach us? You know, if, if all of these different phenomena could share openly with us. Well, When we first initial, we made initial contact with these beings, mm-hmm. these unseen ones. What we were told was, and it, it was directly to me, actually, mm-hmm. told to someone else directly to me that we that I will get the answers as to what's going on after three years, but before five, and that's how cryptic they are. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. You know. Well, you take it, you take it with a grain of salt and you say, okay, that's nice to hear. But you know, I'm the meantime, what am I going to say? Right. Uh, so we just keep plugging at it. Hopefully that they will come forward and maybe offer a few things besides just saying that, you know, it'd be curious. And, and I'm, I realize this is an odd question, but what would you, well, I guess it would all depend on the nature of what you figure out, but would that be something that you would be apprehensive to share openly? 
Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna when okay. we get it, we're gonna we're gonna put it out there. Okay. Well, I think I've that's already promised that. I mean, okay. if you go back to the blog for the past month, you will see where there's a progression. Yeah. We we actually have some photographs that were obtained several years ago from one of the people I have been working with for years, David Eckhart, mm-hmm. and uh, the I the one pic, the one photograph in particular I always thought was a winged being. And this was taken in his home. Wow. And we recently got verification by one of these unseen ones that this was actually one of their their faction. Wow. Got another photograph I dug up the other day that I just looked at and thought, maybe there, there's something to this thing. There, you know, it just doesn't look right. And just the day before yesterday, we got it verified as well. So those are two photographs that they've been they've actually verified with us. Reluctantly, but they verified them. Mm. You know, again, people hear me talk about this and think, okay, well, it's pretty convenient that they're they're going ahead and tell us about the times when they say it isn't, you know, something that mm. is part of them. Well, I will do that. You sure. know, I will tell everybody I'm not afraid to tell anybody anything, you know, at this point. That's uh, awesome. I've had so many investigations and so many types of evidence that, you know, if if it's there, I'm gonna put it out. That's cool. And and the reason that I ask is because, uh, you know, for me, you, you, I, I, before there was ever any even soft disclosure from the, from the government and from other official agencies, there was always this concept. Well, if people knew it would under undermine our entire civilization, our religions, everything would just crumble. And yet it hasn't. Well, I, I will say this and I've said it before. I have had run-ins with the government. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I mean, they, they've been subtle about it. Well, as subtle as they can get. I mean, <laughs> coming into your doctor's office and oh, taking you out of your doctor's office and put you in an, in an office across the hallway and telling you that they appreciate you not investigate some one particular case. Oh, my God. That's about as subtle as they get, but they will do that. <laughs> And uh, it has happened to me. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get involved with, especially if you've got a witness who's causing trouble. Mm. Uh, you know, I tell witnesses, you know, yeah, I, I, I get that you want answers. Yeah, I understand that you think that you're being taken advantage of by certain uh, government, some parts of the government and this and that. Yeah, but don't be going around calling your congressman every two weeks and telling him, look, I'm going to figure this out and whatever right. I do. And no, that, that never ends up good, ends up good, you know? Uh, yeah. and of course, everybody who's actually doing the investigation for you, like me mm-hmm. is going to hear it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not fun when you got to tell a client, look, I've got the, uh, I got the feds crawling up my ass now. I gotta, <laughs> you know, I gotta back off, man. Yeah. So that has happened to me. I'll admit that. Oh, I believe you brother. And I, uh, and I, I guess that's a, that's a pretty tenuous position to be in, but I, I admire that you would come out with the truth if you were to find it, because I, I think that I think people are probably more ready to hear some truth mm-hmm. than ever before. Like we, we mm-hmm. all know things are going weird in the world, uh, whether it's in the paranormal or <laughs> just interpersonally. But, you know, I think we all need a little bit of truth and, and maybe you can bring something to the table that'll make at least some of this make sense, brother. Well, you know, I, at this point, and like I said before, I really don't care how much pushback I get. Good. Okay. There are going to be people in this. Um, there are going to be people in the paranormal who feel that uh, they're being impeded 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel like they, the, the torch was passed to them at some point. And when you start looking into something that they're looking into and they don't like what you're doing, well, they're going to push back. Oh. It's happened to me many times. Sure. You know, it's, you know, people have even put stuff in books about it. So I, you know, oh, but yeah. I don't care. You know, I, I, if people don't like it, that's fine. Uh, you know, I do have enough people. I believe that respect what I do and will listen to what I say. And, you know, I, you know, I put it out there for people to judge for themselves. If they don't, if they don't believe or just don't get what I'm trying to, you know, pre- mm-hmm. present to them, well, that's their prerogative. They can think anything they want. Sure. Uh, but, uh, that's always been my policy that, you know, everything's open and, uh, you know, it may like, again, it may sound crazy. It may sound fantastical, you know, but it's, it's not, you know, and I'll be, I'll be quite, I'm quite sincere about that. That's something I will not do. I will not lie. Awesome. And, uh, I hope if anybody thinks they caught me in a lie, they'll tell, they'll tell me about it to my face. Yeah. Uh, I'm not afraid to come out and defend myself because, um, this is something I've dedicated my life to. And, um, I will continue to do what I feel I should do. Well, I, I, I for one, and I know I speak for many people. I'm glad that you do. Um, again, you've, you've established a lot of these phenomena in the, you know, in the, in the world of the paranormal and 40 and, and you've brought so much to the table and, and you're a household name, you know, in our community. So, uh, thank you for all that you've done, brother. It's just been an amazing ride. Well, I appreciate that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lon Strickler. Thank you so much, sir. guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio as well as finding us on twitter we're on twitter at paranormal portal p-o-r-t-l and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our youtube page and subscribe and check out our shows there we got hundreds of shows journeys into the paranormal portal so i hope you'll check it out check it out guys we're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal so Hope to see you guys soon. Uh, We'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can.